You've heard me say this before, but I want to continue to say it, and that's this. Eternity is too long to be wrong. It's too long to be wrong. And so today I want to equip you, I want to equip you to, for two things. One is I want to equip you to lead someone to Christ. And I also want to challenge you, if you're watching online or in person, I'm going to challenge you by the end of this message to come to Christ. And if there's ever a spot that we need to get cleared up and, and do our best, not only for us, but for those that are watching all over the world, N is the new birth. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Folks, listen, to, listen carefully. The gift of being a child of God does not come just by be, you being born. You must be born again. You cannot be a child of God just because you were born in a hospital. You have to be born again. And I want to believe for the Holy Spirit just to do something very special even here today. Gaylord um, Kumbarami is the general secretary of the, the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. And I was reading the story that he's tried to give a New Testament to a very belligerent man in his community. And the man insisted, if you give me that Bible, he said, I want to make you a promise. I will roll up every page and use it as a cigarette to smoke. That's what he told Mr. Kamrabi. And Mr. Kamrabi said this, he said, I understand, but at least promise that before you smoke that page of the Bible, that you would read it at least. I thought that was genius. The man agreed and said, I will do that. The two went their separate ways. 15 years later, the American Bible Society told us the story. 15 years later, the two men met at a Bible convention in Zimbabwe. The scripture-smoking pagan had been saved and is now a full-time evangelist. <laughs> and he told his story. This was his story. He said, I smoked Matthew and I smoked Mark. He said, and I even smoked Luke. But when I got to John and John chapter 3, I read the story and couldn't smoke anymore and gave my heart to Jesus Christ at that moment. I'm excited today because we're going to talk about John chapter 3 about how in an unexpected conversation gave us an amazing both exposition and an explanation on eternity. And so, so we don't have to be wrong. And an amazing explanation of what it means to be born again. I had an one of those unexpected conversations this Friday morning with a young waiter at a restaurant as I was meeting with a Christian leader. His name was Bashir. He was a waiter um, as we were talking and I invited Bashir to church. I'm not even sure if he's here today or will join us at one o'clock for the service. But I, but I was just sharing with him and I just finally said this to Bashir. I said, if I give you a good tip, would you come to church? Folks, any way I can get him to church, I'll just do whatever, whatever it takes at that point. Um, and it was an unexpected and exciting conversation with this young Muslim man from West Africa, believing that God gives us those unexpected moments because eternity is too long to be wrong, I have one purpose before God calls me home. I have one purpose, and I want to see from starting here, I want to see God win a billion souls. I want to see the Holy Spirit win a billion people to Christ. I really do. That's, what I, that's my goal. But that can't happen on Sundays alone. 
That's why we have to discover the other six days of the week that we don't need a Sunday service. People don't just get saved on Sundays. But hallelujah, I am so thankful that the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. So whether that today is your Monday or your Tuesday, God is able to bring people to Christ. And I want to believe that God is going to do it. Because when you are in love with Christ, I'm telling you, you want to share what God has done just like Ricardo was leading us in that song, just like you want to worship, you also want to share the gospel. I remember when I fell in love with Cindy back in the, in the mid-90s. There was no iPhone 6 and there was no take a selfie and I can show my friends um, who I'm in love with. Cindy was working at a bank and was working with a loan department and was one of the vice presidents of this bank. And, um, but I wanted people to know that I, that I fell in love and I, and I didn't know, you know, I was 30, 30 years old at that time. People have given up hope on me. And so I had to show them that it was real. So how do you show them it was real? I found her picture in this, in this business. It wasn't even, we didn't even call it a magazine because it was still in black and white. I found her picture as she did some business project in Detroit. I cut that picture out. I folded it and put it in my, her head is down right now. And I put, I put it in my wallet. And when I would talk to people about Cindy, and, they, and, when, and if they didn't believe me, I'd pull out my wallet, I'd unfold this picture, and I'd go right there. That's the girl that I, and I would, let me tell you something, you can't secretly be in love. You have to tell people what God has done inside of your life. I talked to a gentleman that he said, I've been dating this girl for three years and we just kind of been keeping it secret. I said, then you're not in love because if you're in love, you can't keep it secret because when you fall in love with Christ, you want to share who he is. That's why I love what the great 19th century preacher Spurgeon said. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And so that's why I'm telling you, fall in love with Jesus and you won't be able to keep your mouth shut. Here's my question. Do you, want to, do you know someone who you want to be born again this year? How many would say yes? You know someone that you want to be born again this year. And today, I want to take the next few moments. I want to talk to you about the new birth. I want to talk to you about new birth conversations. I want to talk to you about new birth, and I want to talk to you about new birth conversations. There is a very special section of scriptures. Um, it's 10 chapters in the New Testament that, that I, have a, I have an affection for because it is in the middle of the gospel of Luke, but where it occurs is so important for all of us that are sitting here because it really is dealing with the Monday through Saturday, these 10, these 10 chapters. Because most of the times we read about Jesus speaking, it's speaking... In, informally. It's not Sunday sermon talk. He's not speaking on, in, in a church or a synagogue. Most of the times, it is the, it is the breakfast conversation with Bashir. That's what most of the times that we see. It's while he's eating a meal, being asked a question. But that section that I'm talking about is Luke 9.51. And I want you to, because I, I want you to take a snapshot of this, because I want you to see this. Luke 9.51 to Luke 19.44 is called Jesus' travel narrative. Now, this is important to understand because what Jesus does in those 10 chapters is he is leaving Galilee 
which is predominantly Jewish and understands Jewish talk, and he's on his way to Jerusalem, which definitely understands um, Old Testament scripture, and he's able to speak um, about, about things that people have knowledge about. But Jesus will spend 10 chapters in between Galilee and Jerusalem, and he will spend it in Samaria. He is going, in a sense, in between Galilee and Jerusalem. It's almost like he's in between Sunday services. Because they understand when he would, when he would say, it is written. He would un- they would understand it has been said. But when you get to Samaria, they don't understand. The, the, the two things about this travel nav- narrative that I want you to write down is this. Number one, Samaria, Jesus loses the home field advantage. <laughs> because they don't understand. Samaria was enemy territory, at least unfriendly territory. These Samaritans don't understand church talk, they're away from the synagogue and temple. They they have little in common with the Jewish people. And this really is your Christian life many times between Sundays. Most of our life is obviously is lived between Sundays. Samaria is where we spend most of our time per se. And we're communicating with non-church people, whether you're in an apartment in Amsterdam or an apartment in the Bronx. You are seeing people every day. And that's why we have to understand when we're, when we're speaking to people, they don't understand. You, you don't want to go to them and go, you know who Jehovah Nisi is? They don't know who Jehovah Nisi is. We, we know that's church talk. And that's okay. When we come together, I want you to say Jehovah Shalom. I want you to say Jehovah Jireh. But, but, but when you go to your apartment and the person that lives next to you in 7A, they don't know who Jehovah Nisi is. And that's why they don't understand that I've been saved by the blood. And they're going, what are you talking about? And that's why we have to understand what Jesus does in this really opens up some things for us. Because these, what Jesus also does, here's the other part, jot this down. These Samaritan talks, they're unscheduled conversations I put down about things that really matter. They're unscheduled conversations that you didn't, you didn't prepare for, and it's mostly, when you read this, here's the part I noticed. It's mostly people asking Jesus questions. And it's interesting to me that many of the questions, like Jesus, that we will all get today in the Samaritan territory, outside of the church, are really not questions. They're, they're tests, not inquiries. They're not wanting to know. I'm finding out sometimes that people are not wanting to know information. They want to know what side you're on. They're wanting to know what you think about certain things. And here's the part that I love about Jesus. How did Jesus respond to people's questions? This This is what I've learned especially as you're going through those Saturday through, through, through Monday through Saturday. How did Jesus respond to questions? Here it comes. Jesus questioned the questioner. He questioned, oh, when you read it, whenever they asked him a question, he would question them back is what he would do. So instead of giving an answer, he would just respond with another question. And it was brilliant. And folks, let me tell you why it was amazing. You know why Jesus would do this? Because Jesus, this is what the Bible tells us. Man speaks from the abundance of the... So when people speak, they reveal their hearts. So if I can get people speaking, I can hear their heart and not their words. The problem is, is that when I find myself speaking too much, I'm not getting a chance to hear what they're really asking. 
So what, what I have done is this. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit, um, and it's not even controversial. I'm just going to tell you what I, what I have done recently as people have asked me these questions, especially with what we're faced with today. I've had people ask me about everything from transgender to sex change operations and people choosing their gender and all, and then everybody's getting their phones out going, let's, 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 let's record this and post. It's fine. You do, do whatever you want. We stand behind this and I also have a bulletproof Bible just for those that don't understand. So, he, so I want to take a page from Jesus's part. So let me tell you what Jesus did. Because many times I get asked those questions, from politics to gender, all those things. I'll get asked those questions, and I realize these aren't inquiries, they're tests. They want to know, basically what they want to know is, are you Democrat or Republican? They want to know, are, are, are you for or against? That's what, it, that's what it mostly is. So one of the best things to do is, is to first start with questioning the question. So can I give you three questions that I always use when I, whenever I'm, I'm talking with people? I, the first question I always ask is this, is number, question number one, get these down because this is going to help you. I'm not saying this deals with everything, but it helps me. Number one is, do you believe in God? It's the first question I always ask. And I would say most of the times I'll, get, I'll hear yes. Some, you can even add to that, are you a Christian? You don't, you don't have to go into detail, just ask that question. Then here's the second thing that I do. I'm questioning the questioner now. We're doing Samaritan rules. This is, this is new birth conversations. Then we're going to get to the new birth. Get ready. This is going to be important. Second question I always ask is this. Do you believe that the Bible is God's word? I always want to start there because that makes it even easy. If they say yes, boom, I got it. And now this part I got from here. But but, that, but many times, I would say this is 50-50. I would say I'm probably in the high 90s on question number one. When you get to question number two, I'm probably in the 50 to 60% range. And then usually what I'll ask is this, is what if the Bible says something that contradicts your lifestyle or your opinion? Then who wins the argument? And I want to hear how they come up with their answers. Because you have to have a grid. You have to have a reason why you land. Why, why Pastor Tim? Here it comes. Because eternity is too long to be wrong. You, we've got to get this right. So that's why if you were to ask me certain questions, are you a Christian, Pastor Tim? Absolutely. Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? Absolutely. And if, you, if your lifestyle or your opinions contradict what the word of God says, who wins? This wins every single time. I have, to, I have to land there. And this is what Jesus would do. He would begin to land there. And this is those Monday through Saturdays. And what God has been helping me to do is teaching me to prepare not only for sermons, but to prepare for those Samaritan encounters. That to say, God, help me, not just on Sunday, but help me on Monday through Saturday. Because that's where we are going to see many lives come to Christ. So I want to help you for just a moment. Because let me, in fact, let me just take that for, for a second. Let's talk about those new birth conversations. Because starting those new birth conversations, can I tell you who's helped me the most? It was what happened in a prison with Joseph is talking. And I want to talk to you about starting new birth conversations with the help of Joseph's prisons conversations. Uh, so I want to just equip you for a moment. Joseph was really, when he was thrown into prison, he was on a, in a sense like Jesus on Samaritan soil when he was in a prison cell. And what, jo what Joseph did 
in those conversations really has opened up my Mondays through Saturdays. I stand up here and I get a chance to preach and, and you are amazing. You, those are watching online from Poland and Italy, from Puerto Rico and Barbados, you support, you're there, you're with us. But, when, but it's a whole different conversation on Monday through Saturday and nobody's clapping for you. And you're going, how do I do this? See, those conversations are so important. One of the great evangelists in American history was a man named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said this, he said, I've won more people to Christ by holy conversations than all of my public meetings. By those Monday through Saturday talks, it was, I, was, I love the story, D.L. Moody was talking about one of those conversations. He says he was this great evangelist who was based in Chicago, said he was walking down a, a Chicago street one day and he walked up to a man and asked that man if he were a Christian. And that fellow raised his fist angrily and said, you mind your own business. And Moody goes, this is my business. And the man said that you must be D.L. Moody. <laughs> because they knew that if he saw somebody, he knew that those sat Monday through Saturday conversations were important. And I wanna challenge you today to not just be worshipers on Sunday, I wanna challenge you to be worshipers every single day. I wanna challenge you not to talk about Jesus only on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, you're going, the name of Jesus is always on my lips. And I wanna believe for God to do something. Here's the grid that I use. Joseph is in prison. He meets up with two men from Pharaoh's court. Let me read to you what happens. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with them in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And they said to him, we've had a dream. And there was no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell it to me, please. Some of you know the story in the context, but I wanna just pull it out for a moment. I wanna give you three quick things before we jump to that great John 3 for a moment. Because, because I wanna, I'll, I'll give you John 3 as even, as even content, but let me just tell you this. I want you to write these three things down that I've learned and have keep as a grid for even Joseph um, for every single day for me. Number one is observe people. Don't, don't, don't just go through life, whether you're buying bagels or whether you're buying a newspaper, whether you're in a store or whether you're, 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 you're waiting in line somewhere. Observe the people, that's exactly what Joseph did. The Bible says when Joseph came to the morning, he observed them. Observe people, whether they're angry or crying. Jesus said in John 4, 35 to his disciples, he said, lift up your eyes, the harvest is ripe. It's there, and folks, I'm telling you, he basically said, look and, and see people. See, because there's something there. God may give you something for them. I, I had a friend of mine who really had a gift. It was a prophetic gift that God would speak to her sometimes things about, about people that she was talking to. That's why I loved the book of Daniel. When Daniel was interpreting dreams, he wasn't doing it in a church he was doing it, in, in a sense, in the political arena. And, and folks, and he was saying stuff to the highest people of the land that he could get killed for. He was going, the, they would come to him and go, what, what does this dream mean? Nebuchadnezzar asked him, and he goes, well, it means this, is that there, I see a big statue, and your feet are feet of clay, and, and if you don't get things right, it's, it's going to be all over for you. 
And I'm going, Daniel, calm down. And know what, the, know what Nebuchadnezzar said? Promote that man. So then Belshazzar comes to him and says, I see a finger writing on the wall. What does it mean? And all of a sudden Daniel goes, it means, let's see, mene, mene, tekel, you farsen. It means you've been weighed in the scales and been found, found wanting. Tomorrow you'll be judged. You're going to lose the kingdom. The Persians and the Medes are coming in. You're out. And all of a sudden Belshazzar goes, promote that man. I'm going, I'm going, is it amazing people want to hear the truth? And when you have a gift, let me just tell you something. If you have a gift of prophecy, if you have a gift that is, lying, is given to us in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it's not just to be done inside of a church building. I'm telling you, if you've got a gift, let God use it wherever you go. Let God pour out through. I watched that young lady. She told me, she said she walked into a supermarket and the lady was scanning her items and she said, I just felt like the Lord told me she's hurt and she's going through a divorce and I felt I was supposed to pray for her. So she's going milk, $3, bread, this. And all of a sudden she goes, hey, what's your name? She just goes, my, my name is Sally. She goes, oh, Sally. She says, I just feel like it's impressed upon my heart. You're in the middle of a divorce and your heart is broken and God wants, and she's going, Ice cream. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she said, right there, we put everything aside, paid my bill. I laid hands on that girl as she was checking me out at a grocery store. You know what that was? She observed. She let the Holy Spirit use her. And God did something in a supermarket to touch them. Just observe them. You know the second thing Daniel did? I love this. He just asked questions. Write that down. That's the Samaritan way. He just asked questions. He said, why are you sad? Ask questions to people. How's your day going? That's what I did to Bashir in, in, in the restaurant. I just said, where are you from, Bashir? Told me his, the nation he's from. Tell me, tell me, and I would just ask simple questions. I, I mean, seriously, just wherever you're at. Boy, you look happy today. Where, 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 why are you so happy today? Why, 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 or boy, you are angry today. Why, why, let people know that you care and you notice them. Don't just get your stuff and walk out. It may be a moment that God opens up the door when you do that. And finally, it wasn't until those parts that finally Joseph added the God part. When those men knew that he observed them, asked them the questions, he added the God part. When they, when they said, well, we had a dream. And then he just asked the question, does interpretations of dreams belong to God? And all of a sudden, introduce the God part of this whole thing. And it's amazing to watch how he, he does that. That all of a sudden, that simple grid has helped me. I've just observed, just ask questions. And maybe just introduce God to them and go, do, do you think God can help? Do you go to a church? Or this, has anybody ever prayed for you? Can I pray for you today? And I'm, folks, I'm telling you, I've been doing this for over four decades. I can remember less than five people who have ever said to me, don't pray for me. Just ask somebody, can I just pray for you right now? Do you know any people I have done that with from, from an apartment building to on the streets that you go, can we just pray right now? I'm telling you, people will say yes. It's just introducing that. And you never know what that can open up in doing those things. And even the God conversations. In fact, that's why I want you to understand today how important this is to us that we do want to equip you today. In fact, let me just help you with this. And it's such an important tool. You know, right on your 
armrest here. If you look down on your armrest, you're going to see a QR code. How many see the QR code on your armrest? Some of you are going like, what? I was wondering what that was. I thought it was a puzzle. It's a QR code, which means that if you take your phone and put on the, this is for all the old people. If you take the phone and put it on, and I'm with you because my kids had to teach me this, and put your phone on camera. That's why my phone is up here. And just hold it there. You're going to see a yellow box come up. Hit that yellow box. And let me tell you what's going to show up. The ABCs. And so we want to equip you to be able to pray and have the ABCs on your phone. Now, if you're going, I'm, I'm an old person, I don't know how to, I still don't know how to do it. Well, we have cards at the back to help you that you can pick up at the back and just hold those as a reference because we want you to have your Mondays through Saturdays for equipping. To win a billion souls, we need to be familiar with the new birth. Because that's the road to heaven. That's what God is asking us to do. I was reading this, this story about some years ago, 75 inmates from uh, Saltillo Prison in northern Mexico started digging a secret tunnel. It happened for about three to five years. They were digging a tunnel underneath the prison in Saltillo. And when they finally dig, dug the tunnel and got out, 75 convicts dug that tunnel to get out of prison and where they ended up was back in the courtroom that put them in prison and the judges in the middle were going like go back go back go back and all 75 were put back in prison because the tunnel they dug was still at the judge's desk at that time which means this Folks, we, eternity is too long to be wrong. And people are digging and trying to find a way out. And I'm telling you, there's only one way that's going to get you to heaven. Every, every other way, you're going to end up at the judge's table at that point. So we've got to get this right today. And I don't think of any other way to get this right than to take you to a private conversation that happened at nighttime between a man named Nicodemus and Jesus Seemed Nicodemus was digging in the wrong place and kept coming up at the wrong spot before the judge and knew that even his religious background was not going to get him there. Let me tell you what religion is for just a moment. Religion is, is people that are working hard to impress God. They're trying to get God to like them. And this man, Nicodemus, was the best at working hard to do this. He was what they called a Pharisee. He had three credentials. He was a man of the Pharisees. There was never more than 6,000 Pharisees in Palestine um, at one time, and they made up their own laws, were added to the Old Testament laws. God gave them a Sabbath to keep it holy, but the Pharisees would add to it. They would continue to do that. He was always trying to impress God, that group. He was also a ruler of the Jews. He was one of the best of the 6,000. He was part of the 70 on their, on their so-called Supreme Court, and the Bible tells us that he was a teacher of Israel. Jesus never encountered a more prestigious Jew in his entire ministry than on that night. And he came that night so he would not be recognized. And he did not realize that the conversation would return, turn from a religion talk to a regeneration talk, that his life would be changed forever. I want to read to you and equip you here and challenge those that may be listening to the gospel message for the first time of how important this is. Our forever, our eternity depends on how this conversation went. Let me read it to you. It's John 3, 1 through 7. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come to God as a teach, from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb can he, and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, here it comes, you must be born again. Jesus said real life begins with the new birth. We were born wrong the first time, Jesus was saying. We got physical life from the first birth, but Jesus was saying we need spiritual life. Because born again is so significant, don't miss the words that Jesus said in John 3. Three. He says, I say to you, unless one is born again, here comes this key word, he cannot. Don't miss that word. You and I cannot enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, in our present condition. That's what Jesus is saying. Look at it again, John 3, 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word just blares to me. You and I cannot enter heaven or in our present condition. We need something to happen to us. Something has to come in and change us. We must, according to Jesus, be born again, is what Jesus said. Some of you are going like, why, why should we be born again? I'm glad you asked. Here it is. Let me give it to you quickly. Seven reasons why you should be born again. Let me give them to you like a shotgun. Here it comes. Why should you be born again? One, because God loves you. Number two, because Satan wants you. Number three, because Christ died for you. Number four, because judgment faces you. Number five, because hell awaits for you. Number six, because heaven is calling for you. And number seven, because eternity is warning you. You must be born again today. I can't make it any clearer than that. See, in the first creation, God made something out of nothing. But in the new creation, he turns sinners into saints. He takes sinners and makes them children of God. So I want you to see three things, three eternity essentials. Get these down in the next 15 minutes. Give me, give me just 15 minutes. I'm, that's probably not true. But let me just ask for 15 minutes. At least you can try to hold me to it. Here it comes. Three eternity essentials. Let me give them to you. Number one, don't create another way when the way is given to us very clearly. Don't create another way when the way is given to us very clearly. Last week, the world was riveted every day from Sunday through Thursday as a race against time with the Titan submersible that was on its way down to see the Titanic lost all communication as an hour and 45 minutes into a journey of five people that were going right off the coast of Newfoundland, gonna go 2.4 miles down into the ocean floor to view the Titanic. People paying up to $250,000 a seat to sit in this submersible called the Titan. An hour and 45 minutes into the, into the expedition, all communication was lost and the world was riveted. They say that 
17 bolts lock them in on the outside with no way to escape unless someone unbolted the door. A billionaire would sit there. A millionaire would sit there. A millionaire's son would sit there. And five people had 96 hours as the world was wondering what was going to happen, what was going to happen. Everyday news would pop up. Canada, France, the U.S. all sent their, their vessels to help and find these rescue, these people that were searching an area the size of Connecticut, sending robots and sonars, sonar buoys into the ocean. And then the world found out that there was a catastrophic implosion that happened under two hours into the journey that seemed to, that there was a breach in the Titan that compromised the vessel. And all I thought was this, as I was watching the news inundated with this, here's what I thought. That the world sat there and go, it's clicking. The clock is ticking. 96 hours before these people perish. 96 hours. Watching three nations come to try to, to try to rescue these people. And all I remember is that Thursday morning when the news said the deadline has been crossed. That the deadline. And no one knew that there was a breach. And no one knew that there was an explosion. They thought it was a race against time. And all I thought about was this, folks. I thought about, this isn't... We're not living in an ocean. This is real life. We don't have 96 hours, maybe 75, 80 years, 90 at best. And this is a race against time. Because one day, you won't be here. One day, time will run out. It's been bolted up. Eternity has been bolted up like those 17 bolts that unless someone from the outside takes those bolts off, we have no chance of survival. But hallelujah, there was a rescue plan for humanity that happened 2,000 years ago. Heaven sent Jesus to come down and say, I am going to, listen folks, I am telling you, though time is running out, God sent his son to rescue us. And the gospel, that's why the gospel is called the good news. And here's what's amazing. So how do we respond to a world that views the good news as bad news? What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Christianity gets criticized for endorsing what Jesus calls one way to heaven. Folks, people will ask me, so you're saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven? I always tell them, no. Jesus says there's only one way to heaven, that it comes through him. I'm not saying it. Your problem is not with me. So, but here's my response. When people go, so there's only one way to heaven? I said, yes, but aren't you glad there is a way for us to get to? So instead, folks, listen to me. So instead of getting angry, how about going, Jesus, unbolt those doors. I want to live forever. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Listen, shouldn't we all be grateful that God has made it possible even at all for us as sinners? Who are we, who are we to demand that one way is not good enough? If you were in a burning building in Manhattan, would you refuse to leave the building because there was only one exit? Hmm, I'm not going. I want three more exits. <laughs> Let me help you. If that, burning, if that thing is burning, show me the way out. 
And if this world is going down, show me how to get to heaven. I'll take, and folks, here it is. You have the opportunity today. The door is open. His name is Jesus. And you can be born again today. The Bible says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Look at that verse. There is no other name. Look at me for a second. Your name is not even in that. There's one name and his name is Jesus. Number two, don't make, an, don't make optional what Jesus says is a must. He said you must be born again. I was reading the story of a man who was driving in and out of an old country town. It was a two-lane highway. As he was running through this rural countryside, he noticed this old shack in the middle of an open field, and he had to smile as he read that somebody spray-painted on the side in large letters, I love you, Kathy. He said a few weeks later, he had to go back through to the same highway and he saw, he was looking to see the same romantic message, to see what happened. And he said when he came by, the barn was burned to the ground. And scrawled in large white letters next to it was, I still love you, Kathy. It seems like Kathy burned it down. But someone was still willing to get Kathy the message, even though Kathy burned it down. This is what blows my mind about God, because Jesus will do whatever he can to get the message to us, even though we have burned every road, every bridge, everything, Jesus goes, I am going to get this message to you. This is what Jesus says, do not be surprised that I tell you that you must all be born again. All means nobody in this place is excluded. Listen, Poland and Italy, listen, South Africa, listen, Malaysia and Philippines. No one is excluded from this message. Jesus said, we must be born again. If born again puts me in heaven, then I must be born again. Then I have to know what this means. And folks, when you are born the first time, you receive natural life. When you're born the second time, you receive spiritual life. And only someone with spiritual life can exist and survive in heaven. To enjoy, commune, and understand God, you have to have God inside of you. So if your response is, when I ask you the question, are you born again? If your response is, I think, I hope, I'm not sure, please listen. Because what does it mean to be born again? Here it comes. It means, one, every sin is forgiven. What does it mean to be born again? Jesus lives in me through the Holy Spirit and gives me peace, power, and purpose. What does it mean to be born again? That I'm no longer afraid to die because I know where I am going because heaven is now my home when I die today. I'm just telling you. So if someone is asking you, are you born again? You better have the insurance. I want you to be a shouting Christian and not a doubting church attender. I want you every single time we start singing in this place, there comes a shout in this place because one, we know this. We 
know our sins are forgiven. We know the Holy Spirit is residing in us with peace and power and purpose. When I'm born again, I'm not afraid of death because I know when this life is over, there is a home in eternity. Why wouldn't I sing loud? Why wouldn't I praise him? Why wouldn't I lift my hands? Why wouldn't I shout in this place? Because God is alive. He has made a way when there was no way to be born again. Hallelujah. Listen, we had no choice about your first birth, but you have a choice in your second birth. You can say yes today. Let me close with this as the musicians come. Don't complicate what Jesus says is simple. I know about this because I tried it years ago when Betty Crocker Company began selling its cake mixes. The very first directions was this, just add water. It was awesome. You buy the cake mix, add water, done. They said it would bombed, Betty Crocker, it bombed because people were upset that you just added water. They wanted other stuff to do because they wanted to contribute more. So Betty Crocker, what they did was they said, okay, you can add eggs and oil to this whole thing. And that's when Betty Crocker cake mixes exploded because people wanted to contribute to what was considered to be simple. Being born again is simple, but I'm just telling you, look at me folks, people wanna keep adding eggs and oil and you can't add anything to what God says, this is how you're born again. People wanna add, well, don't you have to be a good person? Don't you have to go to church? You can't kill anybody. Yeah, that's, that's, yes. I agree with that. But we've, we've let, let's not, let's not add our, our extras into this. This one conversation gave us the greatest 25 words that have ever been penned in human history. This is what it gave to us. Jesus looked at that man that night and said this, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal everlasting life. The greatest words ever penned was on that night. And in the middle of that verse, look at it. Belief is the crucial moment because belief is what hinges upon the door of heaven opening up. Look at that word. Belief is crucial because it's the hinge which heaven turns on. Notice how important the word believe is in the verses that surround John 3.16. Let me read it to you. John 3.15 so that whoever, what does it say? Believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, what does it say? Believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but the world might be saved through him. He who, what? Believes in him shall not be judged. And he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Folks, it's amazing. Jesus uses believe five times in four verses. Five times. 
Folks, if you were to speak a sent- three sentences and included a verb five times, you would get the feeling that you're trying to stress a very critical point. Like, if, if I was having dinner with my children, like we were just the other night, and if I was to say to my children, the, these three sentences, you tell me what the important part is. Okay, we're all done. Dinner is great, kids, but now it's time to clean up. When you clean up, mom and dad are really happy because cleaning up means you respect our words. And when you do clean up, you are doing your part. And when you don't clean up, you're gonna get in trouble. Question, what's the key word? Yeah. So if Jesus is saying believe five times, why are you gonna add oil and eggs? You can't add oil and eggs. Jesus said it five times, believe, 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 believe. Don't add anything else. Believe is the fork in the road of perish and eternal life. It's the fork. That's what he was talking about. When that Titan submersible went underneath, there came this resurgence of people interested in the Titanic again. And I remembered when the word finally came that that giant vessel that men boasted that not even God could sink that ship. And it finally came over the telegraph here in New York City that the ship has sunk. Over a thousand people perished in the waters off Newfoundland. And despite the rich and the famous on the ship, there was only two columns that were sent to New York City, lost and those who were saved. And folks, those two columns still exist today. It doesn't matter whether you work on Wall Street, whether you work in the London Financial District, whether you're an ambassador at the UN, whether you're an actor, whether you just signed a multi-million dollar contract for a sports team, look at me folks, When it comes to the end, it's one list, lost and saved. And today, you can get on the right list today. Here's what's amazing, listen to this. Don't miss the important word, believe, not baptize, believe. I had communion, nope, believe. Nope, I'm part of one of the 9,000 denominations, that's not what it says. It says believe, well I'm a Muslim, believe. Folks, no matter what you put in there, you must believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for every single one of us. Folks, it's that simple. Stop adding oil and eggs. Here's what's amazing. Rob Bennett said this about the thief on the cross. Listen to these words. How does the thief on the cross fit into your Christian belief system? He wasn't baptized, he never had communion, he wasn't confirmed, he went on no missions trip, he never volunteered, and he didn't have any church clothes on. He never was able to bend his knee because he was hanging on a cross. He didn't even say the sinner's prayer. And among other things, he was a thief that was just hours away from dying. 
And then Bennett said this, Jesus did not heal his pain, heal his body, or smite the scoffers. Yet it was a thief who walked into heaven the same hours Jesus did by simply believing. He had nothing more to offer than his belief that Jesus was who he said he was. There was no spin from some brilliant preacher. There was no ego, no arrogance. He didn't have an LED wall, not even lights, not even crafty words. There was no donuts in the lobby. No one gave him coffee when he came into the church. It was a naked man on the cross, unable even to fold his hands to pray. But there is a thief in heaven walking around because he believed that day. Hallelujah. Stand with me. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is today. Years ago, I heard an amazing story. A wealthy man had one son whom he loved dearly. And the older man, was, the father was a lover of art, and he told his son, taught his son how to love art also. Because he was wealthy, he and his son worked to amass a valuable private collection of priceless works of art. When he was old enough, the son joined the Marines and was sent in the 1960s to Vietnam. And he was killed in action and the father's heart was broken. And all those pieces of art meant nothing to him. Several years later, the wealthy man died and his works of art would be auctioned off. It was millions of dollars of art to be sold. Art dealers crowded the home wanting to bid on the Van Goghs and the Monets that they amassed together. I was amazed at the story. The lawyer that handled the family's estate announced to the crowd that before there would be any valuable piece of art, listen to this, auctioned off. Before you can put your hand on a Picasso, a Van Gogh, or a Monet, he said it is in the deceased instructions that a portrait of his son must be auctioned first. So, so before you buy anything else, you need a, we're going to bid on the portrait of the auctioneer's son. The impatient art dealers complained and said, let's get on with it. Let's just somebody get, get rid of that piece of art. We've got to get to the masterpiece. The auctioneer held up the painting and said, who will give me $100 for the picture? No one replied. And from the back, a soldier friend from Vietnam said, I'll give $20 for it. The, au the auctioneer said, $20 once, $20 twice, sold. And at that moment, the lawyer got back up and said, ladies and gentlemen, there'll be no more bidding. My client, listen to this, said, my client left specific instructions that whoever bought the painting of his son would get everything else. And the words in the last will and testament was this, whoever takes my son gets it all. Gets it all. Choose the son. Choose the son today. Choose the son. Folks, this is, this is why he came. It's the new birth. It's for you today. Your life can be changed. Don't leave this place. Don't turn off. Don't turn this off, Poland. Don't turn this off, Zimbabwe. Don't turn this off, Philippines. Don't turn this off, Indonesia, China, and Russia. Don't turn this off. 
Whoever gets the Son gets everything. You get the Son, you get forgiveness. You get the Son, you get the Holy Spirit. You get the Son, you get the power. You get the Son, He gives you a reason to live. You get the Son, you get eternity. You get the Son, you get forgiveness. You get the Son. Choose the Son today. Folks, listen to me. Those that are here, right here on 51st and Broadway, listen to me carefully. Don't choose Times Square Church. Choose the Son. Choose the Son. Don't choose us. Don't choose us. We'll disappoint you every single time. Folks, l- listen, don't choose that. Don't look at me and go, that's my pastor. Or that's, that's, that's my worship. That's my choir. Don't, don't, don't choose any of us. We're all jacked up. Yep. Austin goes, yep. Yes. <laughs> so you know what all these, know what all of them did? Every one of them, they chose the son. The choir, they chose the son. They said, they chose the son. They chose the son. Choose the son today. That's who changes our lives. Folks, right here on 51st and Broadway, things are happening all over the city. Tourists, marches, everything. But right here, right now, eternity is too long to be wrong. Choose the son. Don't tell me you're Muslim. Don't tell me you're Jewish. Don't tell me you're Catholic. Don't tell me, choose the son today. Don't tell me you're Times Square. Don't tell me you're Protestant. Don't tell me you're Baptist. Don't tell me, choose the son today. Be born again today. Be born again today. That's what Jesus said. He unbolted the doors and said, no matter how many years, I don't care whether you're sitting here today at 75 years old or whether you're here today and you just entered into high school, you may be in college, maybe, maybe you're studying philosophy at NYU. Maybe you're in the med program at Columbia. Maybe you're a lawyer, a Columbia lawyer. Maybe you're from Princeton, wherever you're at. Maybe you're at one of the finest schools in South Africa, watching online. I'm telling you, it means nothing. Take the sun and you get it all. Take the sun today. Take the sun. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? And the only reason why I'm doing this right now is because just want you to think how important this is. Today, choose the Son. I have nothing else to say but to simply ask you, if you're here today, online and in person, and you would just say, Pastor Tim, I want to be born again. If that's what Jesus said, no man, no woman, no student, no ambassador, no actor, no athlete, No single mom, no successful person on Wall Street, no businessman, no preacher, no choir member, no man will see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. And today, choose the sun. Everything else is going to shine around you. Choose this, choose this, choose this, choose this. Choose the sun. Auction over. Choose the sun today. Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to start a journey with God today. Would you put my name in that prayer? Would you, would, I want to raise my hand to say, I'm choosing the son today and I want to be born again. I don't want to be a doubting church attender. I want to be a shouting Christian. And today I choose the son. So when we pray that prayer, I want to be known today. I chose the son. If that's you, balcony, main floor, and if whoever's running the lights, can we just dim the balcony lights, just for a moment, because I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. If you're here today and say, would you put me in that prayer, Pastor Tim, without any hesitation, come on. 
Say, put me in that prayer. Hold your hand up as high as you can. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to see those hands up. Come on, keep them up. I want to see. Whole section over here. There, 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 there. All the way in the back over here. There, 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 there. Balcony, 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 balcony. Fantastic. I see you over there. That's awesome. Keep you. Let me just ask you this. I, I, you know, I, 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 I am going to do this. I, I, listen, I got five minutes left. It's 11.56. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm going to take every moment I can. If you raise your hands, I want you to be bold. You got people that are going to stand. If you raise your hands, this, there, 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 all over the balcony, a whole bunch of you in the balcony, I want you to get out of your seat and walk down here right now. I want to pray with you right now. Quickly, get out of your seat. Walk down here right now. Come on, come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You get out of your seat. Walk down here. Come on. I saw over here, over here, over here. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sister. Come on. Balcony, we're going to wait for you as you come down. Church, can we welcome those that are going to join with us today? We are so excited for what God is going to do. Come on. This is a day of self. Don't be ashamed of what God has done. Find those exits. You make your way down. We're going to wait for the balcony. This is the day of salvation in this place. You know what you guys are doing? You're choosing the sun. You're choosing the sun. You're choosing the sun. You've chose the sun today. I'm so excited. You chose the sun today. I'm telling you what God is about to do. And we're going to wait for the balcony here for just a second. And we're going to all pray together. Can, I'm just telling you, this excites me to know. And this is, you are a part, let me tell you, your first birth, your first birth has made it possible for the second birth today. And today, God is going to do something special in you. We're waiting for those that are coming from the balcony. And as they're coming down, come on, sweetheart. Come on. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. They're coming down from the balcony now. Come on. You come down here. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Come on. This is, can I tell you what God is doing? Sweetheart, those tears, this is going to be a new day for you. You're going to be brand new in Jesus today. God brought you here today. God brought you here today. All of you, those tears, those, it's God doing something brand new for all of everyone. That's what he's coming to do. I'm so excited for what God is going to do. Come on, sir. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. God is going to do it. Today is the day of salvation. 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 Hallelujah! They always say, let me just say, and I want to say this. If you didn't raise your hand, you're going, I'm supposed to be. Get out of your seat. Just get out. Come on, stop, stop, stop playing around. Let's get this right. If that's you, get out of your seat. Balcony, if you're going like, I'm supposed to be there, just, just get out. Just let's, let's not play any more games. This is, we, we want to clap for you and just say you made the greatest decision of ever. Come on, mom. Come on. Come on, person. Come on. This is the day that God is going to do something very special for you. Just get out. God's going to do it right now. God's going to do it right now. God's going to do it right now. Come on. Come on. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And so I just feel so strongly that this is the day of salvation. God's going to, and you know what's amazing? We, whenever we come to the 10 o'clock service, it seems like everybody gets saved at the 1 o'clock. Doesn't it, Ricardo? Everybody. And so you're not supposed to get saved at the 10 o'clock service because it's supposed to be with you. But here's the greatest thing. You, God is doing something special in every one of your lives today. I'm so excited. 
we're going to join with you today. Can we say this out loud? Come on, let's all pray this out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, I'll say this loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.